This is episode number 29 with Alberto Isaac. Coming up. I finished it. I had no idea what I read. And he said, you're good. And I went, really? I had never gotten that kind of validation before. And I booked the part. And I'm like, God, I should have done this sooner. You know? <laughs> so simple. Anyway, and of course, I didn't book another job for over a year. <laughs> when I first started taking classes at school, I realized that nobody saw me except in as an Asian person, you know, mm-hmm. and it's like getting zucchini in the tea house of the August moon. And I'm like, well, I kind of want I was thinking more, <laughs> you know, in yeah, Midsummer yeah. Night's yeah. Dream, you know. You use the word rejection, which I think is the major factor mm-hmm. that gets in the way of artists, <laughs> of actors, to get that sense of, too bad, you don't want me, but right. I know I'm good. That's very difficult. If you're looking for what it takes to be an actor long term over the course of your life, then you've come to the right place and you're going to really enjoy this episode. Today's guest grew up in the Philippines, fell in love with movies as a kid, found validation through acting, pursued his master's degree, got fired from a big break, and still has been working for over five decades. Hey there, this is Nathan Agin, and welcome to The Working Actor's Journey, connecting you with lifelong professionals. Today's guest is Alberto Isaac, an actor who has been working for 50-plus years across theater, TV, and film. In addition to regional theater gigs across the country, he has enjoyed a long association with East-West players, joining them shortly after that company started and also found success as a director and playwright there. This podcast is designed to show you how the work is done, what the realities of the working actor life are like, and to share all the different ways actors have come to this career. There is no one path and no single answer. We want to learn from all of those further down the road, to shorten the learning curve, and to discover what helps and what doesn't when it comes to having a lifelong career as an actor. By the way, did you know you can support this podcast as a patron? Starting at just $2 per month, get exclusive access to behind-the-scenes and additional content, and be a part of taking this show to the next level. And for those who join at the co-star level or higher, just $5 or more per month, you also receive a 10% discount on our workshops and programs. Head to workingactorsjourney.com slash premium to join today, and thank you for your support. Our guest today, Alberto, is a veteran award-winning actor-director based in Los Angeles. After receiving a master's degree in drama from California State University, L.A., where he won acting and directing awards, he became associated with the renowned Asian-American theater company East-West Players, appearing in and directing many of their productions, as well as functioning for several years as literary manager. As an actor, he has appeared at La Jolla Playhouse, the Mark Taper Forum, Kirk Douglas Theater, the Cast Theater, Berkeley Rep, a contemporary theater, and Studio Theater in Washington, D.C. He has over 40 credits on film and TV, including recurring roles on several shows. 
I got to meet Alberto through our rehearsal room workshops. He was a part of the Uncle Vanya scene that Libby Apple directed, and a thank you to Juana Martinez for recommending him. And then earlier this year, I was able to involve him as Gloucester in our King Lear workshop. In fact, you'll hear Alberto and I talk about this play and that role, so I guess he got his first crack at it. Now, even when you read someone's bio or their credits, there is still so much you don't know about how they got there and what happened, and it was a lot of fun hearing from Alberto how it all came together. I'm so grateful for how open and honest he is. He has such a great ease about him, though you can still tell he's very passionate about his work. It was a great talk, and I'm sure you'll enjoy getting to know him as much as I did. So here we go with episode number 29. Please enjoy my chat with Alberto Isaac. But it is one of those days where it feels like already by noon, you've already done a full day. <laughs> yeah, it has. Uh, <laughs> it's, yeah. <laughs> okay. What, what, what part of town uh, do you live in? I live in Angelino Heights, which is in the Echo Park area. Oh, okay. It's Angelino Heights is one of LA's first suburbs. So it's got all those Victorian houses that they use in filming a lot. Oh, okay. Oh, and I see uh, is that a cat has joined you as, as well? One of them, yeah. Okay. <laughs> like, like, like many cats, they just believe they, they own everything. They, they can go wherever they want. So have you, did you grow up in L.A.? Is, is that where you were born? Or? No, I was born in the Philippines. Really? Uh, okay. Yeah, born and bred. So I, just, I came to uh, L.A. when I was 18. Okay. And, and now what I did find, it looked like Alberto is actually your middle name. Is that correct? Well, my parents gave me this long <laughs> hyphenated first name. Okay. For the Zeno Alberto, it's like, yeah, try putting that on a marquee. <laughs> <laughs> so I've, I've dropped the first part of it. Gray is my middle name. Oh, and, okay. Yeah. It, which goes with Philippine practice. Your mother's maiden name is your middle name. Okay. And you said Ponticiano Alberto's. What is, what is the first part of that name mean? Does it have a, is it have a, a, a is it a Filipino meaning or? No, not so. It's not very common, the uh, Spanish name. Oh, okay. Uh, some obscure but Byzantine saint. Do you know, do you know why they chose that name for you? Was it? Uh, yeah, it was my father's father. Uh, oh, okay. You know, so I got stuck with it for some reason. You know, my brother has a nice, normal, short name, Manuel, you know, Manuel. And yeah. And I mean, his, yeah, you didn't have a hyphenated name. <laughs> did you, did you, did you, did you have that? Like, did you kind of keep that name? for a while or did did people have nicknames for you or like how did no, you grow up with I, that yeah uh, i pretty much kind of dropped the first part when i came to the country because it was so hard for people to pronounce mm. and also it was so long it's 10 letters you know and yeah i i had nickname you know whatever some uh, shortened version of it bots but you know that sort of thing, but only the older members of my family call me that. I mean, you know, mm-hmm. and when I, my wife uh, gave me my present nickname, which mm-hmm. is Berto. I mean, now people call me Berto, which sounds weird you know, <laughs> to me. So it's always been 
the name has always been weird to me. The naming, it's like, I've always hated the first part of my name because mm. it was so long and so such a mouthful. And, uh, yeah, so I dropped it fairly soon after I came to LA. Uh, to Alberto was much easier for yeah. people to handle. Yeah. Well, and with, with Berto, you're only a half step away from what was the king, uh, King George the the sixth or something. There wasn't any birdie to all of his friends. So you're just like <laughs> yeah. you're kind of a half step. <laughs> right. so, so so what was what were your parents doing in Philippines? What was what was the life you grew up around out there? Well, my they were both you know born in the Philippines. My life, I guess, was sort of upper middle class. I suppose my my father came from apparently a well to do family in the northern Philippines and. His father, who I'm named after, mm -hmm. apparently, uh, you know, frittered all the family fortune away uh -huh. in the capital by gambling, wine, women, and song, and that sort of thing. My father was a was the same. He he was a sea captain. Eventually, became a harbor pilot. Oh wow! My yeah, my mother was a. Uh, her father was, uh, during the Spanish-American War, uh, a lot of American soldiers stayed on. And my grandfather on my uh, mother's side was one of them, Wayne Gray from Little Rock, Arkansas. So I have relatives, uh, you know, so I'm one-quarter white. I'm a quadroon. I'm a quadroon. <laughs> so uh, don't identify there at all. I mean, mm -hmm. oh, I, when, when I first came to... L.A., I met some of my cousins, some of my white cousins, and mm -hmm. it was interesting to see, you know, some similarities. It's like, oh, there's my nose, you know, even the <laughs> butt. And, and they were all short, and that's why I'm short. <laughs> oh, okay. Short white people. <laughs> so, you know, you're born in like the uh, the, the early 40s out in the Philippines, and so yeah, this is... Yeah, war. Yep. So, so, you know, growing up very much kind of post-war and all that kind of stuff, what do you yeah. remember... As a, as a kid, in terms of like things you were involved in or, 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 you know, like just, I mean, was there, was there a neighborhood of other kids around? I mean, what, what, what was your life like at that, that age? Well, I had uh, a whole bunch of, uh, when I, where we first lived, not many neighborhood kids, but when we moved to another uh, city, I had uh, a whole bunch of cousins. Uh, one of my mother's brothers had like, Nine children. Wow. <laughs> and that wasn't the last. They didn't stop. I mean, <laughs> they won, I think, yeah. 13 kids. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. We're, we're doing yeah. well at nine. Let's keep going. Let's see how well we can do. And, and so, you know, I had playmates. Yeah, uh, of course. And I went to school. Don't remember playing with classmates uh, for some reason. I got, you know, I'm, I'm an advanced age. So my childhood memories are a little, and uh, I do remember one of the, my, one of the first books I remember studying, it was a life, uh, yearbook. It was like mm -hmm. the year in life. Or, oh, yeah, sure. And yeah. it was 1949 for oh, some wow. reason. So I know a lot of things about the year 1949. <laughs> well, you, uh, so, well, and, and uh, you were about what, seven, seven years old then or something? Six or six, seven. Six or yeah. seven. Okay. Well, good. Yeah. Uh, you know, I mean, uh, now you can, uh, you can reach back into your past and pull out some, uh, some details about 1949. <laughs> yeah. And did you gravitate towards sports or academics or where, where were your interests you know, in school? I, I, I was always pretty much 
movie mad, I guess, as a mm. child. I can remember the first movie I ever saw. I didn't know the title of it then. I mean, years later, I found out what it was, mm -hmm. but I do remember it vividly and, you know, being very bowled over by Catherine Grayson singing, you know, some song and Gene Kelly tap dancing with mm. Frank Sinatra. But so it was anchors away, by the way. Okay. <laughs> so, so yeah. And I, I used to go to, you know, films, movies very often, twice a week or more sometimes. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. And, and was there a very heavy kind of Western influence on your day to day life or was it were, was the, you know, Filipino culture extremely important to your parents in terms of like the household? Gosh, Philippine culture wasn't, you know, it was just kind of taken for granted. Yeah. My mother being half white, they, they encouraged us to speak English. As a matter of fact, English was my first language. Okay. You know, whatever Philippine languages I picked up was, you know, in, on the street, classmates, friends, whatever. But mm -hmm. mainly I, I, I spoke English always with an accent, but English. I think in English. I dreamt in English. <laughs> so, so yeah, they're, they're a big, strong Western influence. And of course, uh, movies, sure, okay, music sure. and stuff were pretty much Western. The Spanish influence, the uh, Philippines used to be a Spanish colony, but that had pretty much faded, I guess, at the time, by the time I was growing up. Okay. And the cat is doing something weird. <laughs> yeah, I heard it sound like it was <laughs> wanted to start typing there or something. Yes. Yeah, so there you go. And okay, so you, so you're getting all these, you know, you have all this Western influence. And did did you see that, or do you think your parents was the encouragement to speak English just in terms of that was just the culture, or did they see it as a way of advancement in terms of opportunities for you, or was it just what everybody did? I think both. By that time, when my Mother and father met the the Philippines was a, a territory, a United mm -hmm. States territory. So business and education was pretty much conducted in English. And to this day, English is one of the national languages in the Philippines. Mm, okay. So and has evolved to its own peculiar Taglish, which is kind of like Spanglish. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I was watching something on YouTube and they were trying to get regular middle class Filipinos to try to speak only in English or only in Tagalog. And it was very difficult for them. <laughs> the the, the oh, two languages so kept getting intertwined. Oh, yeah. 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 So, you know, in, in school, were, did you feel like you had a, a drive or, or a focus in terms of an academic career? Was there an influence from your parents? Like, did you know at an early age, like what you thought you were going to do? No, at an early age, I, I mean, in my secret heart of hearts, yes. <laughs> I suppose, you know, show business. You wanted to be up there with Gene <laughs> Kelly and you know, Catherine Grayson. Yeah. yeah. Tapping away. But that's not something I would have dared to even verbalize to my family. I don't oh, know really? why. I mean, really? you know, it's like, you know, and <laughs> do, do you feel like they, never, they do you feel yeah. like they did they wouldn't have approved of it or or just it no. would have seemed like you know you're saying you want to be an astronaut you want to live on the mars or something like that yeah it just seemed like such a like such a stretch mm. i mean you know, 
and I, it would be like a, a really elaborate dream that could never come to any kind of mm -hmm. yeah. So uh, did you did you do any acting in in school, like junior high or high school or anything like that? In high school, I think I did a couple of plays. I mean, you know, drama was not a big subject or mm -hmm. uh, in the Philippines. It's in my school anyway. Yeah. Um, yeah, but, you know, a couple. And I, I didn't really, I think, do a play, uh, a full-length play until I came to the States and college. Okay. So, in, so uh, was that... Was that the mo was that the kind of impetus to coming to the US was was to go to college was that always the plan to go to college yeah it, it is college uh, education was a very major value for my family and the country sure was, of course uh, yeah. yeah and and my brother had already had already come here about 5 years before I did and was studying was in college so it was almost understood that and then it would be my turn right, to come okay. to the and 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 so I did. Yeah. And, and is it just the two of you, the two brothers? I have. We have two. We had two elder sisters. So oh, okay. Sister, sister, brother, me. Okay. Oh, so you're yeah. the baby. Okay. And what 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 did they end up uh, doing with their careers? Are they? Oh, I think I hear uh, the cat being the cat tap dancing. What are you doing? So my no my my brother. Uh, was a jock. He was, you know, yeah, he, when he, he had a postgraduate course, a postgraduate uh, degree in physical education. And when I came here, nothing was really, uh, nobody, like, one thing, my parents never said, this is what you have to do when right. you, you know, it was always, what do you want to do? You know? mm. and I didn't know. Or I didn't dare say, well, I want to be an actor. You know? Right. <laughs> but, you know. And so you were saying so, your, your brother was very into sports and, and all that. And, and, right. And then your sister, what did your sisters kind of focus on or? They were typical, uh, women of that time. Did they pursue they went like to college? Okay. But my the second sister got married fairly young. Mm -hmm. I mean, while she was still in college mm -hmm. and my, the eldest, who was my, my father's favorite, I guess there's a lot of people who were in my father's eyes, not good enough for him. Oh, okay. So she, she eventually came to college as well, years after my brother and I were here. And then she met someone and got married while she was in college. Okay. Yeah. And, and what kind of careers do they end up pursuing? I mean, I know a lot of, I mean, this is a huge generalization, but I know a lot of yeah. uh, women from the Philippines end up in the medical field. Uh, no, you know. not neither of them. They uh, were pretty much, you know, homemakers. Okay. Yeah. If they had worried, but it was part time. Or, Got it. Know, okay. Or, uh, and did your brother? Did your brother, you know, pursue the sports in college, or did he do? Other oh stuff? yeah, yeah. He was. He was. So he was a pretty good athlete then. Yeah, he was on the swim team and the water polo team and. When he, and this was during the Vietnam War, and mm. he, he became a SEAL, as a matter of fact, a Navy SEAL, wow. and served in Vietnam, was awarded a Bronze Star for wow. bravery and whatever. So that's my older brother. He's, you know, you take a look at him and you go, hmm, mild-mannered, you know, guy. Can't believe him in action, you know, <laughs> underwater. Anyway, and the thing that made him join the SEALs yeah. 
was also a movie. He saw a 50s film called Frogman or something. Okay, yeah. You know, in his heart, he went, I want to do that. Oh, cool. (laughs) Swim there and set off explosives and stuff. Anyway, so, and he did eventually attain his dream. Was that a nerve-wracking time for your family when he was over there in Vietnam? Or, or, I mean, like, I don't don't know how involved he was and how much he was communicating or anything like that. Sure. My father had died by then. Mm. I'm not sure how aware my mother was. And we're, in a lot of ways, we're not a very communicative family, very Anglo-Saxon that way. Okay, you yeah. know, Not demonstrative, not, you know, not communicative. Yeah, uh, not showy with the feelings yeah, and all that kind of right, stuff. Right, yeah. yeah. So I have no idea of what my mother thought, you know. So did your Never dad... Never shared it with her. Did your dad um, pass away fairly young then? Fairly young. I was... Uh, 22 or thereabouts, oh, wow. and he was only in his 60s, I believe. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Well, what did he pass away from? Some kind of, well, isn't the diagnosis always congested heart failure, but he was in the hospital, and I believe he caught pneumonia. And, mm. you know, yeah. mm. So, I mean, I imagine you were living in la at the time like had he been yeah. had he been sick for a while or uh no he, he was fairly uh fairly active and it was just apparently some routine something to mm. complain that he w- went in for and and so he died and neither my brother and i flew home for the funeral or anything we just kind of stayed here i mean mm. part of it was finances and part of it was it wasn't expected somehow. Really? You know, it's hmm. so, don't interrupt your studies for this. Wow. Right, yeah. Huh. So how did you land on CSULA for, for going to college? Uh, well, well, that's where my brother went. Okay. We we went, even though we were middle class, it was still kind of expensive to go to a major, major school. Sure. And so, and I had done couple of years of college already in the Philippines mm-hmm. and some of my credits, some of my school credits were credited towards were accepted, but there were some like primary things that, you know, that need that I need to take. So I went the route that my brother did. We took the credits in uh, a junior college, Pasadena City College, and then transferred to uh, Cal State LA, which oh, okay. was Los Angeles State College at that time. Oh, okay. Yeah. And, you know, you mentioned that your your parents had kind of had this idea of, well, what do you want to do? So what what were you pursuing in college? Well, supposedly I started enrolling <laughs> in, you know, English and general education, but, you know, with a sort of emphasis on English. But then, then I started taking drama classes and so forth, and then eventually said, okay, this is my major drama, mm. okay? <laughs> and, and and how did you get, you know, hooked up with the drama department? Were, were you going to performances? I mean, did you just like uh, see, you know? Yeah, both. I went to performances and auditioned for roles. So, yeah. Do, um, do you remember the first first play you did in college? Oh, yeah. I remember it was The Taming of the Shrew. And oh, I had okay. one line. I was one of uh, Petruccio's uh, servants. Mm-hmm. And I had one line. He kills her with his own humor, or he kills her with her own humor. <laughs> it's like, I still don't know that quite what that means. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, that was my line. And, and so, you know, at, at what point in college did you feel like, 
you know, I imagine it, maybe a little bit with one line, you could still feel like, you know, part of the experience, part of the collaboration. But at what point did you feel like, okay, now I know I definitely want to pursue this as, as my major? Yeah, I think was when I was auditioning for the college production and mm-hmm. out of curiosity, the director said, here, read this speech by somebody else or something, a mm-hmm. longish speech. And I did. And I finished it. I had no idea what I read. And he said, you're good. And I went, <laughs> really? I guess, you know, uh-huh. I had never gotten that kind of validation before mm. or nobody had you know, said, oh, you're a good actor or whatever. Mm. Still, yeah. So that was a big plus, I think, where I go, huh, maybe I can do this or something. So I auditioned for more college plays and did the same at Cal State. Okay, cool. And so you you finished college, you you graduated with a, a major in, in drama, and then okay, what's what's the big plan, Alberto? What to, what, what you know? <laughs> well, it was uh, it's pretty. I'm pretty. Uh, I've been pretty passive about my career. I eventually, for years, I would people would say, "Do you have an agent? Are you going to get one?" And right. I all said, "No." And, you know, eventually, I called somebody an agent and he said sure why don't you come down and you know and i went and then about a few days later he sent me an interview mm-hmm, for mm-hmm. a uh short film that was to be filmed in nashville and i booked the part and i went god i should have done this sooner <laughs> you know <laughs> so simple anyway and of course i didn't book another job for over a year <laughs> anyway and, and so is this is this like the uh what would it be the mid 60s are we in or late 60s mid 60s yeah and and so when did you get hooked up with east west players uh, like where uh, how did that come sh- into the scene yeah shortly after that first job that i booked at the callbacks there was the park was a, a korean exchange student standing there and at the callback, there was this Korean actor, Korean-American named Soon Tae-go, and me. We were up for the same role, and uh, I, I booked it again over a Korean, a real Korean. So, but, you know, we chatted in the waiting room, and he said, I'm form- we're, we've just formed this new theater company, and here's my phone number, and, you know, you should uh, check it out. Okay, so all right, so you, yeah. you you met you you found out about it just as, at a general audition for another play. Is that what you were saying? Or for, no, this uh, was for the film that I oh the one in Nashville that you got. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, okay, and and yeah. so you flew out to Nashville to do that. Yeah, I imagine. Uh-huh. And so, what was your that that was the first on camera job you had at that time? Yes, it was the first. Yeah. And so, what was your like? Did you? I mean, were you just a bundle of nerves because this was a different medium, or you know, was it very collaborative? I mean, was it a short film or or a it full? was a short film? Okay. Yeah, maybe half an hour or something. I don't remember being particularly nervous. I think because there was another Asian actor, younger than me, mm-hmm. who was who kept flubbing his lines so i felt <laughs> so much more you know i can't i go oh, i'm fine i'm fine compared to it no, no so no i don't remember particularly being nervous you know there was rehearsals so mm-hmm. i worked one one of the actors in it 
I remember was <laughs> had been the juvenile in Amanazimova's company. Oh, okay. All right. I'm oh not. Which company was it? I'm not thinking I'm familiar with. Oh, Nazimova was Russian actress from oh, the, okay. uh, the teens and 20s. He came, she came to Hollywood, was big star. Oh, okay. Anyway, you're too young, Nathan. This is, <laughs> I'm talking, well, talking about, yeah, a big star of the 20s. Uh, and she was, a, you know, I, she worked with Stanislavski and. Oh, okay. Okay. Was, so I got to brush up on my theater history, Alberto. I'm sorry. I was anyways, a mea culpa. So, so I felt like this, not at the time, but I think after the fact, I went, oh, I've got this, you know, seven degrees, <laughs> Kevin Bacon. Yeah, sure, it's sure. Like, yeah. I, I felt like, yeah, I'm, I worked with him mm -hmm. and he worked with Azimova. Who worked with Stanislavski? Who worked with Chekhov? Yep. Oh, okay, cool. So, uh, it, it's like I, I was once talking to somebody, and I said, "I wonder if we can, if a lot of actors can do that, you know, seven degrees and trace their way back to Shakespeare." Oh, yeah, sure. Yeah. Anyway, um, but I found I found. The experience, that particular part of the experience, more fascinating after the fact. As to the technical stuff, learn to slow down gestures when you've got a close-up or yep, something. Yep. Yeah. I mean, it's probably helpful that it was a short film yeah. and it wasn't like a major TV show, a huge, you know, Hollywood film. Right. That, yeah. you know, they, there's just a machine going and you, you just, you got to do your thing and you got to, you know, hit the ground running that, there was probably a little, I mean, even though there was probably some structure around it and certainly money going into it, there was probably a little bit less of a, a pressure on that, on that project. Probably, definitely. I remember, uh, oh, they had some film problems and I had to go back for reshoots uh, like mm. three weeks later, which was fun. I thought, oh, this is what the movie business is like or something. Yep. And okay, so you, so you come back to LA, you 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 connect with that actor at the audition for the Nashville project, yeah. And then and then so how do you like? Do you just call over to East West Players? Are they holding general auditions? Uh, I, I can't remember whether he called me or I called him, but he he had written a play that East West Players was producing. Okay, and 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 you said the company had like just formed, like they were just starting about a year before. Okay. Yeah, they they yeah about a year before they had. Then this very well received production of Rashomon, which they were, it was a big success and they were going to move to a larger theater. And then the Watts riots happened and they had to close. Mm -hmm. wow. Anyway, so yes. Yeah, so I, and he said, you know, we're having auditions. Mako is directing. And so I went and read with a couple of people. They were also first timers and I got the part. I was playing. The playwright's younger brother, another Korean. And so, yeah, that was my first production with East West. Did, did you and, know, uh, did you know Mako just from East West players or did you like, did he have no, a reputation around town? He had a bit of, a, yeah, he had a reputation. I believe he had just gotten nominated for the supporting actor Oscar at okay, the time, yeah. so I knew who he was. Um, was it intimidating, uh, even auditioning for him? Gosh, uh, I mean, 
Or you just know, being around the, him in the general? ignorance of youth. It was like, <laughs> I don't know. There's my guy. He's yeah, famous. Yeah. I've, had, yeah, yeah, I've, I've had some of those moments where it's like later I'm like, how could I have been so casual around that person? Like, you know, don't I know who they are? <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, no, it was, and I was fresh out of my first movie job. So yeah, I yeah. was, I was, I thought I was really hot, you know? And, and, so, uh, yeah. Did, I mean, did you feel like you just had growing confidence about yourself as an actor? Or, I mean, you said there was like a period of a year where you didn't get another job. So, how were you? That was after the fact, yeah. Yeah. How were you? Man- like, just mentally, were you feeling really good about your your work and your career and all that kind of stuff? Well, after we when we did the production of the play, I felt very good. I got some good personal reviews, and and then nothing happened except you know I, I was still in school. Oh, so, okay. You know, I. I Addition for another, for, you know, oh, so a, all of this, like all this yeah. stuff, even with East West players is happening while you're still in college, just getting your undergrad. Uh-huh. Yeah. Wow. Okay. And, cool. Yeah. Yeah. And how did, how did it, you know, was it something that occurred to you at the time in terms of like, you know, as a Filipino coming over and now playing, playing Korean or playing different ethnicity? Like, mm-hmm. you know, I don't know if that would be the same as if you were doing theatrical productions in the Philippines, but. Suddenly you're, you're just kind of lumped into this, you know, large ethnic group of like, oh yeah, you can, you can pass for all of these things. And, and did right. it, did it bother you at the time? Did it make any difference? Was it just the thing to do? No, not at the time. I, it, and it still wouldn't, you know, as long as it's an Asian role, I'll go if they <laughs> think, you know, if they think I'm acceptable in whatever ethnicity, although that's getting rarer and rarer. Sure. Now. And, and, I, you know, my agent kept selling that, uh, sending me on, you know, Latino parts. So, you know, so I do those. I mm-hmm. mean, okay, I am, if you go with my DNA, I mean, I, there is a rather big chunk of it that's, sure. you know, Iberian, you know, so from my father's side. Yeah, so, yeah. so if somebody, yeah. So I. You feel but, okay doing that. Yeah. Stuff, but yeah. joining East West I, was a mind, uh, it opened my mind, I think, not right away, but mm-hmm. as, as I pro, as I did more and more with them, I became more in touch with my Asian American identity. Mm. I don't want to sound pompous. No, pompous, no, I mean, but it, yeah, 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 it's, it, it never really, you know, coming from a former Western colony, you right. know, there's a lot of internal, I don't want to say hate or something, but a lot of, yeah, almost identification with the colonizer. Sure, of course. White is beautiful. Oh, yeah. Yeah, of course. So, and I think it always boggled my, when I first started taking classes at school, realized that nobody saw me except in, as an Asian Mm -hmm. person, you know, Mm -hmm. it's like, there was an exercise in an acting class where the, the professor said, so write down what you, what, what your fellow actor, how you would cast the other, mm. you know, your fellow actor. And it's like getting Sakini in the tea house of the August moon. And I'm like, well, I kind of was thinking more, you know, in yeah, yeah, night yeah. stream, you know, anyway, so that kind of thing. And eventually, as you work in the industry, you mm. kind of start falling into that mindset sure. anyway, you know. Did did you, and I want to kind of stay in the period that we're in, but as a larger question, did you feel like 
theater became the place for you to explore, you know, those different types of parts and those different types of characters and, and the roles that you saw yourself in. Was it, did that start at East West Players or, or, you know? No, you know? I, well, it started in college where I would get cast sometimes in non specifically Asian roles. Sure. Uh-huh. I mean, I, 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 I did, we did a production of The Servant of Two Masters and I got the lead. That was, you know, mm. which I always thought, oh, that's nice. I, it's, you know, <laughs> I'm, and so they threw Fandino and I'm, you know, uh, that was fine. I, I just took it for granted that of course I can play this. Right. And, and remember we did a funny thing happened in the way for him and I was, um, and the, the second banana, hysterium. And it, it was, you know, in the college. And for me personally, it mm-hmm. seemed like it, I, I got a wider range of roles mm-hmm. I was cast in. We did a production of King Lear with this uh, character actor named Frank Silvera, like name from the past. Yeah. Who was a guest artist. Uh-huh. Was, uh-huh. He was playing Lear and I was playing the fool. And oh, you cool. know, that, that was, uh, it was, I, 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 it was in a way almost like a master class. When I wasn't on stage, I was just, I would just hang out on the wings and watch him and go, how did he do that? Why did he do that? You know, at, we had actually a one on one session, even though he wasn't directing, mm-hmm. where we just went through the rule mm. and he gave me some and go, and so now you're talking to me, me, Lear. Why don't you talk to me like you, you have a son, right? I said, yeah. How old is he? And I said, well, he's. A baby right now. He's two years old. And he said, so talk to me like you're talking to your son. I went, ah, okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You tried to teach me something. I'm stupid. I don't, you know, I've been bad. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So anyway, which was mind opening. Mm-hmm. And yeah. And I, I talked to uh client Kusatsu and, and mm-hmm. he said he was involved in the early days of East West players as well. Yeah. So after, did- uh, yeah, after I joined dude. Okay, so did you did you and Clyde work together? Uh, did you guys were there at the same time, or yeah, was he at the same a, time? Well, I mean, he joined several years after I oh, did. Okay, okay, yeah. So he's a newbie compared to me. <laughs> I joined a year after the product of the company was formed, Got but it. we did oh, the only checkoff I ever did. As a matter of fact, that we did three sisters, and I played I played the Baron, and he played Masha's husband. Whose name escapes me right now? Yeah, I can't think of it either. But yeah, I, I noticed. Yeah, East West players. It seemed like you did a lot of you know classical roles, but you know I know they also developed new works too. Yeah, mm-hmm. and so did you feel like you gravitated towards more one or the other? I mean, did, did did it matter to you what you were doing, or you just wanted to work? You know? Yeah, I, I wanted to work, and then around the early seventies, I had booked this. Uh, job in a touring production of a, a musical and it was rehearsing in New York and I, I, I went oh my god this is my big break or something so I went to New York and then got a really bad case of the flu uh. and missed all these rehearsals and then they said well, I can't have to let you go mm. <laughs> the only time I've been fired from a job so that was a low point in my life acting wise anyway sure. so I came Came back with my tail between my legs, and I didn't want to. I didn't want to act. It was scary to act. Oh, really? So I I started directing more and writing a little, and 
Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So I know. I mean, well, and it's, it's, it's interesting because it's like, you know, being sick is nobody's fault and, and, and all that right. kind of stuff. But it's, you're right. Like you can, you, you feel, you feel bad. You feel ashamed. And it's just like, Hey, you know, we get, we get sick. It's, 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 I think it's easier to kind of look back and go, Hey, what was the big deal? I was sick. You know, like yeah. everybody gets sick. No big deal. But at the time, it's a little harder to process. You feel like, oh, I really screwed this up. Right. And, and also, part of me goes, you know, because after I felt a little better, I did go to a couple of rehearsals, mm-hmm. kind of coughing my... And then after I was uh, let go, I went, is this because I was sick? Because I was bad. Oh, you know? yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. Yeah. So there was always that thought behind, you know, you were not good enough, you know. And, and yeah. you mentioned you had a you had a, a, a child at this point. So, and because you was this your current white wife you met at East West Players or uh? no? This was my first wife. Okay. We had gotten married. I was twenty one. <laughs> too young, much too young. <laughs> and and we had a child, mm-hmm. my, my only son. And so, yeah. I, and so you were kind of bounce, you know, bouncing around, getting jobs. Were you doing? Did you need to get another job? In oh addition? yeah. Oh yeah. I, I, it's it's amazing. It's I always felt like God. The energy of youth. I was uh, in school, mm-hmm. and I had a part time job. Yeah. Well, which was I actually worked quite a few hours. It wound up like a full time job, and I was doing as much as I could uh, theater wise. You know, either at school or at East West or whatever little job I could book, book in the industry. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and you, you know, you mentioned the directing at East West players and I, and I saw you had kind of co-directed stuff with Mako or, or you were on the direction team with him. You know, how did those conversations begin? Did you just, did you ask him, was he looking for assistance? So, you know, we, I think it may have started when we double cast a production. Okay. And, I wound up directing one cast mm, more. Okay. I mean, you know, it wasn't a strict separation right, right, of, of course, cat, yeah. but, but, uh, when he asked me to help out and he said, and we'll be co-directors, we said, Oh, okay. So, and we did that a couple, we seemed to work really well together. He mm. could, I would sometimes point out things that, you know, would not that hadn't entered his mind or something. Sure. So course, it was yeah. a good collaboration and I did direct some things on my own, you know. And, yeah, and, yeah. and did you feel like that either kind of awoke a part of you that you, like, or skills that you didn't realize you had, or, or what was it that you really enjoyed about directing? Well, I, I think it was seeing a production take shape mm-hmm. and not being part one of the actors so that there was this viewpoint where I could see, and, and especially if, was, if I was directing solely, where I was going, I'm making this, mm, you okay. know. Yep. With Margaret, so it was like, we're making this. You know? <laughs> and that sense of seeing a work of art right. come uh-huh. alive, yeah. you know, without being part of the work of art. Sure. You know, the, but you knew, you could still feel that you definitely wanted to still be an actor in, in yeah. other ways you, you never right. you, ne- you never you never thought about just focusing on directing entirely yeah i mean i wouldn't audition or mm-hmm. sure. when i went to audition i was always 
I was going, God, that looks so bad. <laughs> you know, I think I was self-sabotaging myself. Oh, but, okay. but I can't remember that first. It may have been the checkoff that I've, you know, kind of put my foot back in the water, mm. dip my toes back in the water. Well, I guess as, as a, as a mentor to some degree, you know, or in working with Mako, he's somebody that is directing and acting and doing both. So, mm-hmm. you know, you certainly see it's possible. I, not myself. I've never direct, I've never been in. Oh, no, no, but I'm sorry. Just, but, but yeah. he just had dual careers. You know, he right. was, he was yeah. directing and acting and, and, and doing it successfully. Were, were there specific things you felt like you learned either from him or others at that period that, that you still use and that you still take away? From, from, you know, in terms of, I guess, either as an actor or director. I think the sense of letting actors as much as possible find their own way, at least in early, the early mm-hmm. stage of rehearsals, the, 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 even though I never, I haven't, I, I don't think Marco ever was really, you know, totally hands off. Mm-hmm. There's a sense of, Letting the actors discover things mm. with a little prodding sometimes, but I, I kind of like to see what actors come up with, sure, and see what I can use and you know, so forth. Yeah. And I know we're in like kind of the maybe late sixties, early seventies, but I, I got to ask, where did the Debbie Reynolds show come in? Woof! Or how did how did that come about? Was that just a straight uh, audition? Yeah, that was a straight audition. Yeah. And what were you doing on the show? God, I, I was playing a, uh, a grocery worker. It must have been the late sixties, I okay, guess. Yep. Yeah. So I'm an audition. It's, it was my first sitcom with multi cameras yep. and the audience and the live audience. And it was interesting. I was very happy because I had a nice little scene at the end where that was a big payoff to something. Mm-hmm. And so I I told family and I told friends, you know, be sure to watch it ever. And of course, they cut my big scene. <laughs> <laughs> Didn't know it until yeah, the, yeah. the air. Yeah. So I've never went to somebody. I've never gone. I've never done that again. I've never oh, gone. Okay. Oh, you should watch because yeah. I'm, I'm, I have a role in it or something. Yeah. And do you, do you remember the, the filming of, I mean, like, uh, did you work with Debbie or were you working with other people? Yeah, in the, we, yeah. yeah, we, we, as I said, we only had two scenes. Okay. It was, and Tom Begley was one of the regulars of the, of the film. The, the, the show got canceled about two episodes after I did, oh, okay. my, after they showed mine. But I mean, you know, she was certainly a big star by that point. Oh, yeah. So was yeah. it? Was it uh, intimidating, exciting? Did did it? Even... It was exciting, yeah. not intimidating. She was very friendly, made you feel, you know, at home. She oh, wasn't, cool. you know, aloof for anything. Right. Yeah, and and I think what thrilled me even more was being on the lot at MGM. You know, mm. it's like, oh my god, right? All yeah, the this, yes. This anyway. Yeah. This is where all those uh, those actors you had been seeing in films yeah, were. Right, right, exactly, exactly. <laughs> and and then I, it looked like maybe the following year or something you 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 were on the Bill Cosby Show and you yeah, had a, you this, had a bit of a recurring part on that, right? Right. This was not the the big success he had in the right. Uh, yeah, not the Cosby the, Show, but but the, an early show of his. I think it lasted 
<laughs> kept canceled several episodes after my I, the curse of it. Uh, well, no, I, I think there are other actors that can claim a little bit more, you know, direct direct cursing. But but anyway, so yeah, this was one of his earliest earlier sitcoms after right. uh, after I, I Spy. spy right? yeah. yeah, and he was he played a, a school baseball coach or football okay. coach or something. Yeah, and and I was the water boy, so I did a couple of episodes. And, yeah. And and did you like you know getting that and and you know having coming back a couple episodes were you starting to feel like I've I've made it or my career is going in the right direction or things are happening? No, it was uh, I was I was juggling work yep. and school, mm-hmm. so I was under a lot of stress, and work was trying starting to go. You're taking a long time off, you know, and yes. and. Okay, so you mentioned school. So wait, how, like, did you do, like, were you on, did you stretch out your undergrad or were you like going back for grad? No, I started working on my master's. Oh, okay, okay. <laughs> then a lot of use that came, it was afterwards. Yeah, so, so I just kept going to school, yeah. Oh, wow, okay. So where did you end up pursuing your master's and, and what in? Same, Cal okay. State. Okay. And, and, and did you get a in master's drama, in theater drama? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So, okay. All right, cool. So, and what did you in see? What did you see doing with that degree? What well, did you just like uh, being in school? Yeah. I, mean, I know there are people that that just enjoy the academic environment. Yeah, one. Yeah, a, a small part of it was, and, and the th- thought was always, well, I'm not. The reason I went into the master's program was they're going. I'm not really booking all this many jobs. I'm not going to mm. make a living in this. Yeah, yeah, you yeah. Know? yeah. So a part of me was going. I'm guessing I'm going to have to teach, you know. And were you still married at that point? Like just still juggling? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, and married. Yeah. And the kid and uh, yeah, a lot, a yeah. lot. Yeah. Don't know how I did it. <laughs> well, you were only, well, you were only what, 30 at the time or something like that. So thereabouts. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, there's yeah. plenty, plenty of energy for 30. But now like around that period, I saw your play Coda yeah. was produced. So. Where where did that come from? Where did that, that story come that from? That was uh, that was I think a release from the fear of acting. This one directing. I'm going to write something. There was a mm. little there was a little competition that East West sponsored. And so I said, oh, here I'll submit it anyway. So and then they wound up producing it as part of a, a bill of two one acts and. <laughs> we got some really good reviews and I thought, well, maybe I should write. Yeah. But then as I started acting again, the writing suddenly faded away. Not suddenly, gradually faded yeah. away. Yeah. Did, did you act in, in Coda as well? As, no. Oh, okay. I did not, yeah. Okay. So you, you, and you didn't direct it. You were just, you no. just, just had written the piece. Yeah. And, but it, it, it's a story of somebody kind of coming to terms with their, their heritage, right? Is that? Yeah. Heritage slash sexuality. Oh, okay. I was throwing in everything in there, the the kitchen sink. What was, did you feel like in any way, was it, was it an amalgamation of people you knew? Was there parts of your story in there as well? I mean, uh, where did the, Mm. where did that inspiration come from? Gosh. Let's see. Um, Look, writers said that everybody in my place is me or something. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I never felt like, oh, I'm trying to tell my story or anything. Right. It's just like, yeah, these characters just seem to take a life of their own. I don't know. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So, and, and you, you did meet your, your current wife at East West Players. Yes, you did. W- w- was she Emily, right? And so um, 
was she uh was she an early member as well or did she come in no later? no she was uh she joined around 79 or something like that. Oh, okay 79 80 yeah and i was i was very taken with her before i Realized so it's very taken with her. I remember seeing they, they were doing a production of the Frogs by Ernest. Oh yeah, yeah. And this uh, chorus member oh, played one of the Bacantes or one mm-hmm, and one mm-hmm. of the Frogs. And went, who is that stunning, you know, young woman? Yeah. Anyway, but and so so you know in the in the through the seventies, you know, you know, you're working on your masters and you're starting to book more TV work. Is that it's. It's always been there, that it's always been up and down, up and yeah. down, up and yep, down. Yep. Yeah, there's never been really. There's a few good years where you make enough to get your insurance, but right, I've of never really worked consistently in the film and television industry. Yeah. So, so how are you kind of keeping yourself in a good place, like during, you know, in the, the, the through the seventies and the eighties and even maybe in some of the nineties where, when it is so up and down, like what were you focused on? Was it, was it, I, well, I want to do as good a work as I can in theater or. Yeah. I, I, or, I mean, did you start teaching at all or. I, I taught a little bit at East West in their summer programs okay. and then realized I don't really enjoy this. It's mm. like, I, I didn't really. And it's, I'm not a patient person and maybe not as insightful a person as some other drug acting teachers, I, you know, worked with. I'm okay. But not, you know, it's like, I want to be good if I'm going to do something. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, and, and I was booking some regional theater occasionally, you know, sure. but yeah, I've never really had a, an acting career the way my wife has where, mm-hmm. you know, she can, if she wasn't married to me, she could live comfortably as an actor, you know, okay. me, yeah. yeah, she, my wife is more famous than I am in the, in theater uh, circles. And, and, and do you like. Do you see that? I mean, I, I know part of it is sometimes just the casting at the right time or the right project mm-hmm. and, and those kind of elements can line up. But do, did you see either her or other actors you knew in terms of their, how they were marketing themselves or what they were doing to kind of stay on the radar of theaters, you know, and, and were you trying to incorporate that into your own, you know, day to day work? No, I've been, as I said, I've been very passive about my career. You know, yeah. it, it feels like the, when I book something, it's because I auditioned and they liked mm-hmm. me, you know, and I, I, a couple of times I remember seeing a casting notice for something and I went, I can do that and getting my agent to send me and then realizing, oh, not doing very well. <laughs> it's, you know, this audition sucks. Or something, <laughs> you know, right. So I stopped uh, nagging him about sending me out for something, oh. you know, yeah, it, it, just because. I don't want that feeling of, sorry, I made you send me out. And, you know, I wasn't very good. Yeah. Right, 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 right. And so when, when did you, you and your current wife, when did uh, that relationship begin? Was that in the 80s? Uh, that would be in the 80s. We had our first date in 1980. So got married a couple of days, a couple of days, a couple, <laughs> couple of years. It went after really that. well. Yeah. <laughs> a couple of years after that. So. Okay, cool. We've been married for over, over 40, 40 years. years yeah. Yeah. More than 40 years. Yeah. yeah. And so did you, what was it like, or what is it like, I guess I would ask, you know, being with another actor and, and of course, you know, your careers are going differently at different times. 
mm-hmm. you know, in terms of supporting one another, you know, helping each other with auditions and all that kind of stuff. I mean, did you feel like it was really, has it been helpful to have another actor as your partner who understands the inner workings of, of what, what the life is? I think so. I mean, I, 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 I don't, I can't speak for my wife, but I certainly right. can understand it. I mean, especially because, as I said, she works a lot more than I do in, in, before the pandemic, she was, she was out of town, you know, in New York and mm. Boston or something more than she was at home. So uh, that was a really good year for, I mean, busy year for her 2019. So yeah, I understand. And, and, and do you, that, that quality of like when one partner is working more than the other, at least for yourself, how do you navigate that without getting too much in your head about, mm. oh, well, oh, she's, you know, she's doing all these things. And, and I, you know, I, you know, I can't scrape together two nickels kind of thing. Well, I'm sure there's uh, that, you know, uh, fleeting thought where it goes, God dang it. You know, I wish I could work more uh, as much as she does. Right. But it's not like, you know, or anything, you know, I'm not being Eve Harrington in all about it. Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, and it helps that, that we're not two guys or something married right, to each course, other yeah, yeah. going on for the same roles. Yes. Yeah, that, 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 that would be probably be a very different dinner conversation. <laughs> yeah. It's like Citizen Kane, where the two of you are at just like very long, the end of a very long table. Further just and further. Yeah, just staring at each other. <laughs> Rehearsing on the sly. Yes, <laughs> yeah, okay. And so, you know, jumping, jumping ahead a, a little bit, I saw, you know, in the year 2000, you worked on Family Law and you did a, a number of, you know, episodes on that. Yeah. Did, did yeah. that feel like a turning point in your career at all? Mm, not or, or was really. It, just kind of it, just, it, was it was a just, job, yeah. you know, that. And then did they was, just keep asking you back? Yeah, I, so I did nine episodes or something. Yep. Yep. Uh, yeah, they just kept asking me. I auditioned for uh, the pilot or something, didn't mm-hmm. get it, but they called me back for something else and I booked that and they liked it better, you know. So it was fun. It was a small, very showy role, you know, mm-hmm. surly, you know, grumpy judge, you know, Walter Knapp. Which I learned, which I kept going, that's a familiar name. Why is he, he's called Walter Neff. They realized that was Fred McMurray in Double Indemnity's oh, name. Oh, <laughs> right, right, right. I think the screenwriter was just, yeah, you know. yeah, sort of reaching for names or anywhere he could. <laughs> so, yeah, so I have, and it, it was easy because you're a judge and you could cheat. By looking down at your <laughs> desk, and, <laughs> at your you're always busy yeah. in writing yep. things, and you're going, "There's my line, <laughs> right?" So tricks of the trade, was, yeah, right. So it was nice, and the director actually remembered me from it and cast me in something else as a judge, you know. So oh. yeah, so and right around that time, maybe a little bit earlier, you had done that show, Dog Eaters, at. Was it La Jolla Playhouse the first time? Yeah, we did the word premiere of Dog Eaters with Michael Greif directing and yeah, I, enormous cast. A, a young, a young Sandra O oh was in the cast, right? Oh yeah, yes, she was, and and even with that enormous cast, there was still a lot of doubling uh, of roles mm. because the, the play is such a panoramic depiction of the era. So I played. Uh, in that production, I played the good, virtuous senator who, you know, high class and 
stuff and I played it low life, you know, dope dealer, you know, pin. Mm. So that was fun. I got to be assassinated about three times because they kept, they kept flashing on the, the assassination of the senator. And oh, then yeah. the pimp also got stabbed to death oh, recently okay. with blood spurting. It <laughs> nice. was fun. Anyway, and, and at one point I was an extra in a gay bar scene and wearing mm-hmm. a leather with my back to the audience. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and, and I know the show went on to New York. Did, did you, and it, it looked like some of the people went, but did you have the option to go to New York? Were you interested? No, no, they, I don't think they could afford to house all the LA people. Right. Know, so, right. and they had a fairly big Filipino movie star who yeah. they, 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 you know, who took on the role. And there it goes. Then when they did the production at the Kirk Douglas, right. Uh-huh. Which was a remounting of a small theater production here directed by Jen Lawrence Rivera, <laughs> the playwrights specifically asked if they could ask me to do the role that had been played by another actor. Wow. Yeah. So I went, okay. And I said, who else is doing it from the original production? (laughs) And they said, Alec Mappa is going to do it because she also asked for him to do it. Oh. But then he got a sitcom or some major, and so I had to drop on. So I was the only person from the original production, the La Jolla production, and I felt... God, this feels like a dead end in a way, you know. <laughs> it's mm-hmm. like I had done some remountings of a play before mm-hmm. where mm-hmm. I play this, you know, either as a director or as an actor. And, but it felt different for some reason. I don't know why I, I, I could get on the psychoanalyst's couch and tell you why, sure. but, uh, you know. That's, and I I also saw there was a project very aptly titled Mr. Isaac that <laughs> that I noticed that Carrie Higuchi I was in class with her at Antias for for a little bit. What was what was that? What was Mr. Isaac? It was a it's a short film that Carrie wrote for me I think, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and so about a director a theater director okay. who suddenly starts laughing and can't stop and that's you know that seems like something you could do yeah it, it was fun when we started rehearsals i said you know isaac is uh hebrew for laughter really <laughs> and because did, yeah. did she know that no <laughs> abraham and sarah named the baby Isaac, because uh, she okay. laughed when you, she heard the angel say, and your wife will give verse or something, because <laughs> she was ancient or something by that wow. time. Anyway, Yitzhak is laughter or something. You know, I, I was curious, you know, thinking about a lot of the, the directing projects that you had done, and you talked about remounting. How do you choose what to direct, hmm. you know, in terms of, you know, plays? I mean, I I remember reading, you know, you, you directed art in like 2009 and it mm-hmm. was a very kind of specific idea in terms of the casting that you, you guys, you know, uh, approach. But yeah, what, well, you know, just when you're kind of thinking about, well, what am I going to work on next? What, what, what do you look for? I think mainly I get asked to direct. Either I go, okay. Or, yeah, well, you must, I mean, yeah, or you must, you yeah. must evaluate it by some criteria when they ask right, you. you know, yeah. It's not just like, yeah, uh, sure, I'll do yeah. anything. Right. If it's a, if it's a play that's got a history, you know, mm-hmm. it depends on, yeah, I, 
I, I've turned down things actually. Mm-hmm. I, I was asked to direct Crimes of the Heart. Oh, sure. Uh-huh. And I, first I said yes. And then I was reading it and I went, all the actors I want to cast are now too old for this. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and then I, the thought of auditioning a whole bunch of people that I, whose work I don't know. Uh-huh. Yeah. Was just, it felt really, it made my mind tired, you know, my head mm. just started out. So I called immediately and said, on second thought, no, you know, it's, I, I, I said, and people said, why you'd be working with new people and going, no, you know why directors work with people over and over again? Because they know their work. Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. They, they, yeah. They can depend on them. They like them. They, they like the yeah. work they do. Yeah. That kind yeah. of stuff. Yeah. And. Do you do you look for acting opportunities the same way? I mean, in terms of what you're going to audition for, I mean, maybe that's mm. largely theater, but I know, I'm sure even now there are auditions that come up for TV or film that you're just like, nah, I'm not going to do that. I, it's they're rare where I go. This is totally wrong for me, you know. Mm-hmm. And my mm-hmm. agent will sometimes go, you know, yeah, okay, <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. right. But, but are, are there are there things that you are still looking for as an actor or, or, or just ways that you evaluate, you know, whether it's a, a theater role or, or other kind of role that you, you know, you want to take on? Huh. Well, there's, uh, you know, people always talking about their dream roles. And stuff. Sure. And I remember some years ago, more than five years ago, a young actor said, you should do King Lear. I said, hey, really? I don't know. So we arranged an informal reading at the house, and mm-hmm. I read King Lear. And I, as I was reading it, I'm going, this is wrong. <laughs> this is wrong. I could play Gloucester, maybe. Yeah. But but I did do something during the Scorb scene, you know, yeah. just out of sheer uh, big-headedness, where I started to whisper the you know blow winds oh, yeah, blow yeah, yeah, yeah. and and i thought ah this is a way to go you know, mm. if i ever directed this play i'll have lear just alone whispering those lines mm. in total silence you know was there a you know you mentioned that that moment with lear but was there a theater role that you've done or or i guess it could be a tv or film role that you were just really happy with your work mm, in, in that gosh. show. And even, and even, you know, even more so than looking back, like at the time you were just like, yeah, I, I, you know, I, I did as much as I could. I feel like I really cracked this one. That's, there are probably many. So maybe, maybe just if one, if <laughs> no, one, if one jumps I think to that's, mind. That's very, very rare to me where in the performance where I feel like, you know how in theater, when that moment when you as an actor feel like you and the audience, it's almost like you are so closed. You are together. You are mm-hmm. almost one. Mm-hmm. It's almost like making love. You're sure. one mm-hmm. organism. And that's happened maybe twice in my life where I felt like I can do anything now and they'll go with me. You know? mm-hmm. But acting is always, uh, I don't want to say it's, I'd always say it's work, but it is work. It's, mm-hmm. I'm all, I always feel like I'm 
I need to be on my toes. I need to be alert. I need to have my, you know, mind open. I need sure. to be aware of so many things. It's, it's not like, Oh yeah, we're having fun here. I mean, <laughs> right. it's, I mean, obviously it's something that's enjoyable, even though mm-hmm. it's hard to do, but yeah, but that transcendental feeling of mm-hmm. yeah. Yes, I'm doing well. Here. Mm-hmm, and this mm-hmm. is really working. It's been so rare. After the fact, I felt hey, there is some stuff there, some good stuff. And yep. ooh, you made a wrong choice on that role. And you, you know, on something you decided to do that and it was too late to let it go. Mm. You, you, you know, it's like in the last week of some production, I went, I should never have done what I was doing for the character. <laughs> this is totally wrong in this production for, yeah. Anyway. And so is that, is that the kind of role that, or, or are there others that you feel like you didn't crack and you would like to revisit or, or do you, do you just not, do you not think about those things? Mm. When the pandemic struck, I was doing, I had just opened a play at Open Fist mm-hmm. Theater. And it was a short play by Carol Churchill called Here We Go. Okay. And it's very short. The first, and it's in three parts. The first part is what looks like a wake. So there's fragments of conversation sometimes about the deceased or, but often not about, you know. And then the second part is the deceased maybe or somebody totally different after death and he's, Having all this, it's going through all these visions. I mean, it's like it goes through a Christian idea of the afterlife, an Egyptian mm-hmm. idea, whatever, Greek. And, and then the third part is you see him in a mm, hospice type, just, mm, okay. you know, getting changed and going to bed, getting changed, going to bed, getting, you know, over and over again. So that, so I, I did the second and third part, but. I felt like we, I had just gotten the feel of it and then mm. we had closed because of the pandemic. Yeah. Uh, and I really, really would like to take another crack at that because I always felt like I got hung up on a stage direction that the playwright had. And, you know, even though the director said, let it go, let it go. No, mm. you know, I kept reverting to it. Mm. The stage direction is spoken as fast as possible. <laughs> it's mm. like yes, and you're familiar with Carol Churchill's, yeah, a little bit, yeah. yeah. And in this particular play, the, the second part was a six-page monologue. Oh wow! For me, and Carol Churchill did not put any punctuation in it. <laughs> so, <laughs> a lot of the preparation was what this. When is this the new thought? When mm. is this a sent? You know, yeah. But that I found. Intellectually challenging, and it probably was the most difficult role I'd ever undertaken. And I was like, starting to get it. I got mm. some good reactions from some people, mm-hmm. some not so good, but, uh, but I thought I can do this if I just started to relax into it. You know, there you go. Yeah. Well, and are there any other roles, you know, from over your career, you know, early days from East Coast players or, or beyond? You know, taking aside, like, you know, if you would be age appropriate to play the part now, mm. are there any 
characters that you're just like, oh man, I wish I had another crack at that one, or or I I I feel like I'd understand it so much better now. Right. Actually, uh, I did uh, a production of Twelfth Night in the seventies, I guess, and I played Festy, and I had a disagreement with the director. I followed what she uh, mm. wanted, you know, which the clown. And I wanted him to be a lot more melancholy. Yeah. <laughs> so, but but now I thought I, I can uh, I can play that role now. It mm. you know really well. I think. Do you yeah. mean in like in the in the clownish direction or the more melancholy direction? No, in whatever. I, I oh, want to okay. find something else now. Mm-hmm. You know, because at my age, it feels like now. What would it mean? Mm. You know. What would he be doing? And, and yeah, I mean, well, we, I think we did, we, we, we did actually a number of scenes from that in, in these, the rehearsal room workshops. And it was, I remember part of the conversation was like how dark of a character Festy yeah. is. Yeah. I mean, uh-huh. and he's, he's not, he's not the typical clown, you know, he's not just like, you know, the voice of reason or whatever, like the, the fool or, or, uh-huh. or whatever. I mean, it's just like, man, there is a real darkness to this guy. And and how do you explore that? How do you kind of justify this, the character through the play? Yeah. Yes. Yes. <laughs> I mean, I've, yeah, I, 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 that's, you know, it's like I was rereading. <laughs> mm-hmm. I never reread plays that I've been, but I was rereading it several months ago and I went, well, I don't think I even scratched the surface mm-hmm. at you know, I was what thirty-two or something mm-hmm, when mm-hmm. I did it. Yeah. Well, uh, you, and you've worked with Armin Shimmerman, right? Yes. And, well, I know. I remember Armin. I forget. I can't remember if we said on the podcast or or not. But you know, his line is that you need to play every Shakespeare part three times. You know, yeah. to really to really get it. You know, it's like it, the, and and having only I think I don't think I've ever had the opportunity to play a part twice, but. Yeah, the first time is like you're just trying to, you know, remember everything and do everything and, and hope you're getting close. But it's like not until you get, you're able to re- relax into it a number of times and probably over a number of years that things drop in. Uh, that makes total sense. It's, it's the, <laughs> yeah, that's why I would like to revisit some yeah, yeah. roles. We East West did this interesting adaptation of Twelfth Night years later, which it was written in Pigeon, Hawaiian Pigeon. Oh, okay. And I played Malvolio this time, mm. although it was called Malvolio or something. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And uh, hey, I wonder if I could take a whack at the Shakespeare one. Of course, yeah. I'm too old, but uh, yeah, yeah. Well, you know, you just need a, a director with a vision of. Uh, why Malvolio is, uh, you know, over 70 or whatever. Uh, you know. <laughs> Olivia right, is uh, yeah. crying about her brother, but, uh, you know, yeah, he died yeah. from natural causes at 95 or something, you know, and uh, everybody's older. Um, I, I, I do I do have to ask, because I, I really enjoyed the show, your experience working on My Crazy Ex-Girlfriend. Did you, like, it looks like, at least from the timing, did you audition for that before he was even on the air? Oh, yeah. Oh yeah. So okay. Uh, so it was yeah. just it was just another job. Like, did you have any idea of what it was going into it with all the musical stuff, or not really? This uh, I didn't get the script. There was just sides. Uh, oh, okay. Of and yep. it, uh, and the casting director was somebody who had cast me in something else. So mm-hmm. she pushed me, I think. And yeah, then I when I started working at it and reading the script, <laughs> it was 
<laughs> this is crazy. This I love this. It's yeah, so yeah, much yeah. fun. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And it was and it's always fun to play a Filipino. You know, how often there you get go. to do yep, that, yep. you know? So coming full circle. Yeah. Yeah. That it was it was nice. I I enjoyed doing it and the roles were small enough so that I didn't have to worry about learning lines so much because uh a couple of years before, I had had my first, I'm blanking out in the middle of this take moment, oh, you know, okay. and, yeah. and it scared the hell out of me. Yeah. Anyway, so it was, it was comforting to go, mm. oh, I can learn this, you know, right, three or right. four lines. Right, because the dad was yeah. a very terse character. Yeah. Yeah. And, and did, did the experience kind of evolve, you know, as you kept going back? As the show was getting more popular and, and they mm-hmm. were just doing different things. And, and I mean, I know in little bits you were involved in some of the musical numbers too. Did, did you end up singing on the show at all? No. Oh, okay. <laughs> Thank God. <laughs> no. That was in, that was in your contract. No, no singing for, uh, no. for the last episode I worked on at mm-hmm. fake play the piano, oh, okay. which, uh, you know, which. Somehow my childhood piano lessons paid off. <laughs> mm, okay. Uh, cool. Well, great. And, uh, you know, I was, uh, I, I was wondering, you know, now and certainly over the pandemic, everybody's day to day life has changed. But in general, as things are starting up or if you're, you know, thinking back to pre pandemic, when you're not working, how do you, how do you spend your day in terms of, you know, staying active, keeping busy, you know, all that kind of stuff? Well, the, we have two cats. Yep. Okay. <laughs> they're, they're a handful. They're both senior cats. That's one. Um, oh, okay, and yeah. I took a break from Facebook because I realized I was spending too much time on it. Sure. And yeah. So yeah, that's one thing I'm mm-hmm. not doing. Uh, I, <laughs> I'm watching movies and TV and shows and, uh, I seem to have, if I've got, if I've got something recorded or if something is streaming, uh, my attention span seems to be a lot shorter. So there's a lot of shifting. What else is on? You know? Oh, yeah, yeah. So yeah. I think in my mind, I think some Netflix series have gotten the plot lines all merged. <laughs> it's... <laughs> there, there are crossover episodes happening in your head rather than on the screen. What is uh yeah what what is this character from uh you know Downton Abbey Abbey doing uh doing this Marvel movie I'm now now I'm now I'm confused um you mentioned you mentioned that you didn't sing on a Crazy Ex Girlfriend but I did see that you worked on this show Emoji Land live in concert which to me suggests that there is music in there and I don't know were you, were you singing in that Alberto. Yeah, I had a short little number which I kept screwing up. They oh, were really? so patient with me. <laughs> it was a patter song, of course. Yeah. And I used, gosh, I used to do for fun Gilbert and Sullivan. So uh-huh, patter uh-huh. songs are not, you know, but for some reason, this was very difficult for me because probably of my advanced age or something. Well, anyway, you know, you, you yeah. said that a couple of times. You know, it's not like you're 130, Alberto. Like, come on. Let's, it feels like it sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> I, you know, we're just kind of wrapping up here. I was, I was curious, you know, looking back, do you feel like as a younger actor and, and you were doing directing, you did a little writing, do you feel like there were things you wish you had focused more on as a, as a young artist? I think 
Oh gosh, it almost feels like oh, it was impossible to do that. But I always felt like I should have focused on acting, writing, directing, you know, and nothing else. Mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. it, I, I, it should have been, I should have been a, a more focused artist. Yeah. yeah. To use it. But it always felt like real life kept. Oh, um, sure. Okay. And, and maybe laziness as well. Yeah. Inertia. Have you had to kind of combat that inertia, laziness issue? Like, have you found ways to overcome that? Like, to be more no. proactive as you? <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> In a chart, too. Yeah. To put it shortly, no. Okay. I'm, I think even more in, you know, as I, as my life winds down, you know, it feels like, oh, whatever. You yeah, know? sure, yeah. sure. And let me, it, it, it's like, I used to know this sonnet by heart and now all I can remember are the first three lines. <laughs> mm. It's like, what happened? Yeah. All right. Yeah. The, the, yeah. It's not as sharp as it used to be. Right. If, if, yeah. yeah. And, and, you know, conversely, is there anything looking back that you wished you had worried less about that at the time seemed yeah. like such a big deal and was, you know, whether it was rejection or anything else going on that, that you can see with a bigger perspective now? Yeah. It's, it's interesting you use the word rejection, which I think is the major factor mm-hmm. that gets in the way of artists, <laughs> of actors. People working in the arts to get that sense of too bad you don't want me, but right. I know I'm good. That's very difficult, especially mm-hmm. for actors. I think you know because sure <laughs> actors have to be so open, <laughs> open. Yeah. You know you can't work with a shield, an emotional shield. You could, I suppose, and wind up with a kind of cold technical performance, but. I, the actors I admire and I aspire to be, mm-hmm. this feel to me like so vulnerable, even though they're playing tough guys or sure. you know, uh, tough. There's always this sense, um, they're not hiding anything from you. There's, you know, and that's a quality that my wife has where I, I feel mm-hmm. like she always has that she's not protecting anything. You know? mm-hmm. Anyway, yes, I wish I could have worked on that some more. Yeah. And, and do you feel like you eventually got to a place that, that you, like, was there a particular project that you feel like put you over that or, or was it just over time realizing that it, right. it's not personal? Um, and, 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 and being, and being willing. I mean, I guess it's, it always takes the right kind of people around yeah. to feel like I can be vulnerable in this collaboration. Right. I think. After the New York experience, I was taking mm. a, an acting class in my, because I wanted to. And sure. there was a moment where I was doing a scene and suddenly I felt really, you know, open and I started mm-hmm. to cry. I had never been able to cry on stage before. And it was like, I don't know what happened. <laughs> you know, maybe yet some years had passed. So I was gratified that when I did a production, of a play that I had done before in in another regional theater that I felt like ah, I learned some things. And I mm-hmm. felt like that second production, I was much more full 
the character was fuller, more, more moving, you know, and I felt like I was tough and tender. Mm. Yeah. Great. Well, Alberto, thank you so much for your time. I, I really right. appreciate you sharing so much about your life. It was it was fascinating to learn about you know you growing up in the Philippines and and you know the whole the whole crazy circuitous journey. I, I really appreciate it. <laughs> thank you, Catherine Grayson. <laughs> Wherever you may be, yeah, and yeah. met her once. I, I actually oh, really? met her once. I was I had a day job working in a law office. And she, I was doing some typing and she had come to see another attorney and she, something her throat had been, she was suing somebody for damage to her singing oh, voice geez. or something. But I was just typing away <laughs> and I started to hum the song she had been, <laughs> and I went, oh, stop it, stop it, stop. Anyway. Oh, that's great. That's great. Yeah. Awesome. Well, yeah. Thanks so much for chatting today. I really appreciate it, Alberto. No, thank you. My pleasure, David. there this is nathan one more time thanks so much for checking out the episode today please remember to subscribe so you don't miss anything ahead if you enjoy what you've heard please let others know write a review post on social media send an email tell your entire acting class or just a friend i sincerely appreciate it you can tag us at WAJ Podcast on Instagram and Twitter. We're also on Facebook and YouTube. I'd love to hear what you think of the show. Be sure to check out workingactorsjourney.com for our show notes with additional info and links mentioned in this episode, as well as all the episodes. We've got 25 plus interviews and 12 plus workshop presentations. Sign up for the email list so you're the first to hear about upcoming projects, workshops, and much, much more. Thanks again to today's guest and to everyone that makes these episodes possible. And a special thanks to you for listening. I'm Nathan Agin, and enjoy the journey. Yeah.